Unexamined opinions are faulty opinions. I'm Justin Foster. And I'm Juan Kingsbury. Welcome to the I Might Be Wrong podcast. This is a show where we confront our own ideas, biases, and opinions. And hope you do the same for yours. So buckle up for some subversion and heresy. And keep an open mind. Okay, so this morning before I started, I had to give my wife shots and made her coffee. Or she made me coffee. I don't know. Like um, shots like tequila? Um IVF. <laughs> I'm sure she she'd rather take a tequila shot. Uh, no, like stabbing her in the stomach. But I told her I was like, all right, I'm gonna do this, make a breakfast, and then I'm gonna go talk to my boyfriend. Um, <laughs> and so, because she's like, you guys have such a bromance and da da da. Um, so that's a way to set up uh, relationships because yeah, right. we're friends. Um, but there's there's multiple levels. Sometimes you coach me, and sometimes you seek advice or insight. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, love you like a brother, but even more, you know, I got a brother and I love him and we're close. Um, but our relationship, it's a little different than the, the casual one or even the fun one, you know? And I think there's different degrees. So let's be wrong about relationships. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, my model for, I think, I think it goes back to relationship is, is just a couple of like level set things is I did, I didn't get to witness many healthy relationships as a kid. Uh, my parents certainly did not have a healthy relationship. Yeah. My grandparents did. I mean, it was sort of, um, my grandparents, I think had a really good marriage, and, but they had kind of that traditional um, patriarch matriarch kind of dynamic, but, but it was a good, still a good model for like how people that love each other. I just didn't want to do it that way. Yeah. Um, and the other weird thing is I didn't hardly have any friends. I had one friend from first grade to seventh grade, really. And then he moved and then I didn't have any friends. And I never really had friends other than a couple of people I hung out with, which I think then affected something else in me. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm being super transparent here. But my whole, when you have a, a, a father wound and or a mother wound, you go in search of relationships that heal that wound. And that is what codependency is. Yeah. Codependency is assuming that a relationship is going to heal a wound. And so for the first time in my life, I uh, do not have a relationship in the center of my happiness. I have relationships, but I don't have a relationship that defines me and my worth. But I think that is so programmed into people that have this like, dream wedding and they're 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 prince charming or they're yeah. mrs right or that my better half or this whole this whole like false illusion that a relationship makes you happy yeah um, and i think and i think what i've learned at age 50 is that being happy makes you happy and then it creates different relationships yeah oh yeah and 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 I think I think there's that the other one too that we can unpack if you want is what kind of like you said about bromance or, you know, you and I say this to each other when we say goodbye I say I love you yeah and I've got I got no I'm not uncomfortable about that at all yeah and I say that with other male friends, but that's still it's still a that whole you know they call it a bromance and I know I know they're teasing when yeah. when they say that or you got a man crush on so and so it's like no I love that person yeah and. And it, and it's 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 the masculine view of relationship that is really um, kind of fucked up. In yeah. A lot of ways. Well, like one of the things I always bo- bothered by, and not I think a lot of it's envy because I just I didn't serve in the military, and 
Neither did you, right? You didn't. Yeah. Um, well, you I you know, you you talk about Jocko Mars and Goggins and but even then like I, I have this immediate like ah, I don't want to listen to those guys. Um because <laughs> I I'm tired of the uh you know, we didn't fight for our country, we fought for our, our each other, which I don't disagree, but I'm like why can't you show that compassion and that concern when when people aren't shooting at you? Why 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 don't we have this a mass of really caring people because of their time in the military? I'm not expecting that out of military training, but it's like okay, I get what you're saying, but why is it why is it why is it gay to tell your friend you love them? And right. you know, it's not Wait, just yeah, you. Where does that come from? Yeah, not just you and I. Like I, I, one of the things that made me happy in 2020, looking for positive, was more people would say that. And mm-hmm. wouldn't like get, laugh or get it. Oh, one time I told my buddy, he's from Vietnam. It was like 15 years ago. And I was doing it to make him laugh. Mm-hmm. We're going to a movie. And uh, his name was Dat, D-A-T. And he's like, all right, I'll see you there. I'm like, all right, man, I'll see you there. I love you. And I was walking to work. Oh, no, no, we weren't going to movies. We were walking to work. And he's just dying laughing. Oh, my God, you're so gay. And now yeah, I'm being yeah. racist in like, his voice. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I think that, yeah, I think, actually, you, you said it how we have our relationships kind of def- define or, or shapes mm-hmm. the rest of your life, how you, and right. like there's, there's been people I know who are always social, always. And then I really think about it and I like them, but I'm like, Oh, they can't be alone. Yeah. They're like afraid. And I was like, yeah. Oh, I'm one of those people. Yeah. Um, me too. I, w- I was one of those people. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, and the, and the, <laughs> the thing about it is, is that alone, uh, the only way to overcome loneliness is to be alone. Yeah. And when you, when you do that inner work, when you go through that dark night of the soul and you do the spiritual work and you realize you're really not alone, you have your soul, your soul self, you're not just your thoughts and your actions and your experiences. You, there's something underneath it that Michael Singer and, 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 um, talks about an untethered soul and, um, other thinkers talk about this presence inside of us that is unbreakable, unrejectable and a constant companion. Um, but most of us don't really experience that anymore, be- largely because we don't have rites of passage. The rites of passage yeah. teach you to be alone, um, for one thing. Um, and the other area of it is a, um, is I'll put it this way. If you don't know who you are, it very much changed the changes, the dynamic of the kind of relationships that you're in. Yeah. You, you become extrinsic where you're letting the rela- other person in the relationship or other people in the friendship circle tell you who you are. Yeah. Um, and my friend Tanya uh, in Toronto, who is a healer and an artist, she said something to me a couple months ago. She was, isn't it ironic that in order to attract the person that you want in your life, you have to not want them. <laughs> <laughs> and there's an irony to that too. There's um there's a, there's a term and people can look it up. It's called Visica Pisces and it's an ancient symbol, which we would call a Venn diagram. That is a, is a representation of the divine masculine and the divine feminine overlapping without reducing each other. Yeah. So it's a, it's a non-patriarchal, non-matriarchal view of relationship dynamics between masculine and feminine energy, which are nothing, are not related to gender or sexual orientation. Yeah. And the Visica Pisces, that overlap is where creativity comes from. It's where it creates a third thing where two me's create a we. Well, if you don't know who you are, so you don't know me, you don't know your me, not only will you project usually hero complex onto to someone else's me, Yeah. Um, you will do that. And you will also be delusional. You are, and I've done this so many times. You romanticize it. You're like, yeah. oh, they're going to, they're going to heal this broken part of me. 
Um, you know, and then that could be in a uh, romantic relationship or a friendship. And, and, and I think the key to like, again, I'll quote my therapist, Adrian, where she said um, um, a while ago, if a healthy person spirit, emotionally, if an, an emotionally healthy person is in a relationship with an unhealthy, unhealthy, emotional or unhealthy person, it's an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. It doesn't, it, you, you, you can't be healthy and then have your health sort of spill onto the other person. You can influence them, of course, Yeah, but you really need to work on your own shit. And that's yeah. the thing that's so interesting about relationships to me is that relationships, I think this is why Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. You know, you need to go love yourself. You need to practice self-love. You need to get to know who you are. And then you see how that shows up in relationships. And, and because if you're comfortable with who you are, you can tell someone, um, you can, if you're a, a straight dude, you can tell another straight dude, I love you yeah. without it being uncomfortable or weird to you. Or, you know, that like, it's good. Like you said, um, yeah. that all comes from knowing who you are and doing that work. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, it's, it doesn't sound as, uh, uh, cool or whatever, but it's also like, instead of it's gay, it's, it, oh, that's feminine. You're being soft. You're being like, and it's like, that's not bad you know i don't know if it's even accurate but it um your your grandparents you mentioned you said they were pretty happy with their but classic roles you were happy to see them but you're like i don't necessarily want that and i think that's uh or want it that way um Mm -hmm. that's part of the confusion that you know in inserting my professional world of 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 team building and personalities and job Mm -hmm. is there's these roles that we fill and in in everything, you know, good students. You asked me on the previous podcast, you know, who's who's going to like authority? Well, sit down, shut up, and listen. Steady, compliant, kind of mm-hmm. fall into that. Um, whereas uh, being an entrepreneur, no one tells me what to do, or they're going to tell me no and f you. I'm going to try to you know go to Mars anyway or whatever. It takes a certain yeah. Um, and so you know, for some people, it is a good fit that at 18, hey, I'm going to marry have kids and you know Mm -hmm. go to church every sunday and that's that's a good life um but even then i think it's kind of incomplete because until you sit by yourself and ask yourself what you really want um and i think we can end up i think it's kind of like like relationships um, analogize it to eating we can eat twinkies Mm -hmm. we're gonna eventually get sick (laughs) but we won't be hungry all of the time um but we're not gonna be our full whole self versus if we have the nutrient macronutrients whatever it is that we need a relation you, you can have one night stands every night every night but that's actually going to prevent you from getting that quality you know yeah, that real love statement right. versus yeah exactly physical. yeah and i think you know getting into kind of coach mode here maybe a little bit uh if the listeners don't mind um is so how do you know you have a healthy relationship like what are the indicators of that and yeah. it's um you know, it's, it's, it's in a friendship, it's three C's, it's compatibility, uh, communication, and um, how you handle conflict. In a marriage or in a romantic partnership, there's a fourth C, which is chemistry, which if you don't have chemistry with the person that you're in an intimate relationship with, there's something off. Yeah, there's something off that needs to be addressed. And, you know, I have, told my story of my relationship with Lena, who I married when I was 18. She was 19 and um, we're now separated. Um, and that is mostly due to um, the fact that 
we that she came out as gay about five years ago, which explained a lack of chemistry that we had that we compensated with being very transparent here with being great friends and being great survival buddies and being great uh, parents together. We did a, we did a lot of things right, but that could not uh, could not compensate for a lack of chemistry, which we now know is because of her sexuality. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that goes into another area of like of, of, of related to, you know, healthy, <clears throat> excuse me, a healthy relationship, which is, where do, where do you diminish yourself? If you can, you can look at the, all the times you diminish yourself. Now, I don't mean you compromise and be like, okay, now, yeah, we can have, we can have uh, pizza instead of, you know, chicken wings or whatever. <laughs> I don't mean that. I yeah. don't mean that sort of just getting along compatibility, but if you're back to the Visica Pisces and the masculine and feminine in the, in the circles, if you're reducing your circle of self in order to please the other person, you're not in a healthy relationship. Yeah. Um, even if you're well-intentioned, you are on your road to martyrdom or victimhood at that point, or you go the other way, which is you envelop them. And this is where I went wrong in a lot of ways where I tried to take my high D and apply it into relationships and, and, and shift and shape people through the sheer weight of my, my energy or my intensity. Mm-hmm. I don't do that anymore. And I'll tell you who I give credit for that is Emily, my business partner. Yeah. Because you know, we've been in, we've been in business for f- five years. Uh, I think our birth, our five year birthday is January twentieth, as I recall, um, and we've been friends for seven years, coming up on seven years. Yeah. And early, early on in our friendship, I realized that you know that she just didn't tolerate my shit, like the things that I would do to try to get what I wanted, which was based off of fear and insecurity. Mm-hmm. Is that I was making relationships unhealthy because I was not being open-hearted. I was not being compassionate. I was being dominant in order to feel safe. Yeah. So it kind of goes both ways um, in that process of looking at whether or not a relationship is healthy. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I using you, you through the high D or high dominance is my oversimplification for myself. And when I tell others like, or not even coaching or I guess it is coaching, but it's more of like, Hey, you like hanging out with the people who want you to be your disc style, who are appreciative of you don't like people who try to stop you or who, who are trying to say, no, Justin, like you're wrong. Or like it's one thing to argue healthy argument or healthy debate, but it's another thing for someone to be like, just push you down or cut you off. Um, that's yeah, I don't like of, to be, I don't like to be dismissed. Yeah. And, but, but the truth is kind of like what you're saying about being alone. Like, you, I mean, disc and Enneagram and all that stuff are just out, outside tools. How you feel is your, that's your metric. That's your thermostat or thermometer right. or whatever it is. Um, and you can choose to see any situation as something you get to, you know, uh, uh, control or let loose. Um, but especially like even the, the passive aggressive people, you know, or I should say the passive, the steady people, <laughs> the reserved people, um, they, they can suck energy out and everyone knows it and no one calls them on it. Um, and, but the, the bottom line is like, who's going to give you that environment or where do you get it? And so I'm like, not saying like, I, I tell it usually around Thanksgiving, you're going to go spend it with the in-laws or whatever normal times. Um, it's uncomfortable or it's great because, Hey, check out your style or their style. And if you can get this, orchestra going where justin feels great because of his style and juan does for his and lena does for hers 
that's probably a good day, but it's it's a challenge because it's like trying to feed everyone a very different meal. <laughs> um, but if you love those people and you care about them, you put the time, you put the thought, um, and sometimes you step on some toes. But even more simple, I came up with this, I think when I was like 25, um, and I had a lot of female friends, they're like guy friends, and actually my this guy friend that I, uh, guy friend, that sounds like I'm a girl, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> but this dude, we would just look at me trying to sound more masculine now. <laughs> well, we would drink a lot, and then I was trying to stop. And one day I'm like, we don't have a lot in common. And he just kept wanting right. to drink. And I was like, yeah. oh, I should be friends yeah. with people where there's a good reason. And it was yeah. a little bit manipulative because I was like, if I'm getting something, but if I go and I talk about pro wrestling with one friend or if I go with her and we're talking about work, as long as there's a good reason to converse, I was okay with it. And I told this to my, after getting married or, or dating Courtney, I was like, hey, if you have a problem, I understand. But this is why I like this person and make the time for them. And, right. Um, and, you know, I expect it of you and maybe I'll be uncomfortable. But I think that ultimately it comes back to we we seek out relationships because we're kind of missing something but the really really good ones are is when we are able to give some it's a it's a what's the word two-way street so mm-hmm. um i don't know i don't know what my point yeah. is no no it's it's, it's interesting uh, because i think um uh, well that what you talked about like you know you had this realization this person really isn't your friend he's your drinking buddy yeah and uh, one of my favorite singers is BJ Barham, who's the lead singer for the band American Aquarium. And he, in their new album, which is my my album of the of, of the year for 2020, um, uh, BJ sings on a song. He says, "You learn." He's a, he's a sober. He's he was an alcoholic and a drug addict, I believe. Um, and he said, "You learn that a drinking buddy is not the same as a friend." Yeah, and I think that's such a microcosm of this idea that. If you are if you are seeking relationship, whether it's intimate, romantic, platonic, familial, whatever your version of whatever it is, if you're seeking that in order to find out to find out to have them give you something you don't have, it's an unhealthy relationship. But I have deep compassion for where that comes from. And, And it's this is that a parent's number two job after keeping you alive, your parent's number two job is to help you develop a healthy ego. Well, I didn't have that. I did not have anyone that other than maybe my grandmother slightly that helped me develop an ego, which is your sense of identity, essentially. Yeah. And when you when you don't have when you have an underdeveloped ego, you then go in search of trying to trying to figure out who you are. And my instinct was to get that through relationship. And it really wasn't until September, October of last year, where I realized how much that was producing fear in my life, uh, fear of rejection, fear of um, being alone. Um, and I realized I had to turn inward and get in and, and, and self-generate um, the things that I was trying to extract from relationship. Yeah. And since I've done that, it's enhanced existing relationships for sure. Existing healthy relationships, for sure. Um, Emily and I have a very healthy relationship. Me having this realization about relationships, this epiphany has strengthened our partnership as business owners and as friends and as creative partners. So I have friends that I think have been strengthened by that, by, by that realization. Then I have, I have new relationships that have come, that come in, have come into my life 
um, that are a reflection of the fact that, like my friend Tanya said, is I did not need them and therefore I attracted them. Um, and that's a that's a that's a powerful place to be. And so when I think about it kind of goes back to our previous episode on authority is if you're looking, if you're in a relationship, so someone can tell you who you are and what to do and make you feel safe and everything, you're not in a healthy relationship. I don't care what your disc profile is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely um, agree and, and live through that. And, and you've shared a lot more um, or I, I don't think I've shared what I, I've always had a good amount of friends um even in grade school and i was too lazy and it, video games were a thing and i never wanted to hang out but my, my wife uh, courtney summed it up the other day uh being a kingsbury is her last name um is is don't um i don't want to be invited to your party or, or no i i want to be invited with your to your party but don't inconvenience me with how you invite me. <laughs> like it's just we yeah. want to know people want us but we don't want to go yeah. and i was right, like right. that freaking nails like definitely me you know yeah. kind of like a, a good good amount of of us yeah um and i think that's why i will make new friends as, as opposed mm-hmm. to having better relationships with the one i the ones i have and um i was like well that's that's not i don't want to be that kind of person to someone mm-hmm. else and um but also you know am i okay being by myself mm-hmm. and i remember the first time i lived by myself i was 20 223 it had been on my own but roommates and stuff but it was i was like scared <laughs> and and right. um and the irony is like i went out and i made friends which was like oh that's great it kept busy but i didn't reflect on okay juan what do you want out of this journey yeah. da, da, da. um but the, the other day i the short version of this i had this reoccurring dream that the conclusion or the outcome was oh i think i'm having this dream because it's reminding me that i i don't like um being like not just wrong but like not being liked hell even making you laugh makes me happy and i'm like well he doesn't need me to make him laugh like i just make him laugh because i'm having fun and one time we i think you said it on what like the first or second he's like you're really funny today i was like you know and like yeah and i was like because on that though when we we still need affirmation what we confuse is validation Validation mm. is like when you get your like your 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 um you know your ticket your parking validated. Yeah. You know there's there's like what that means is I have this piece of paper. Could you please tell me yeah. that it's okay for me to park for free by putting a stamp on it? Yeah. We do that in relationships all the time. Oh and yeah. It's around affirmation. I love it when someone I love gives me praise. I used to be like, oh, I need to be the lone wolf and I need to be sovereign. Yeah. And blah, 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 blah. Like no, it's okay to receive. Yeah. It's not okay to expect. I think that's a, I think that's a big one. The other part of it too is that you can't um it's it's almost impossible to have a healthy relationship and also be someone's like perpetual trauma buddy. Yes. Certainly in a relationship that involves sexual intimacy. Yeah, oh yeah. If you're each other's trauma buddy all the time, you are you you are on your road to Platonia. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where there is the chemistry just goes away because the tension is gone because you're in survival mode. And it goes to something that I believe very strongly, which is when a relationship is your survival response, you're working on the wrong problem. Uh, yeah. unless 
you're out on the, you know, um, out on the lone prairie and you might be killed by yeah. <laughs> the enemy or whatever, or bears or whatever. That's a different thing. Yeah. Then you do need a relationship. Did you ever listen to, or do you know, Esther Perel? Oh, I love Esther Perel yeah. stuff. I, I stole so much or borrowed in terms of work and relationships because like, oh, what she says about relationships, I was like, oh, people relate to their job or their bosses differently. Like when I think I became a manager, like a like a official, legit, and I was really good friends with one person. I liked everyone, made them laugh, but I would was really adamant about not hanging out outside of the office. But I would make the exception for him, and someone called me on it, and they were like, "Is that a guy thing?" Or did it? And I was like, "No," and I was like, "Oh, one, he was also older than me, and but he would." we could go back and play our roles. I was the boss and he was also one of the better people on the team, <laughs> but, but we could joke and I could trust that he would like flip back to, Hey, okay, I, I got to do what you say now one or, or I would, or I wouldn't going back to authority again, overstep my authority because we're friends now conveniently. But then he makes me a joke and I'm like, I'm going to fire you. I've heard bosses say that like you're a jackhole for abusing that relationship when, you're trying to be professional with someone or a personal with someone. But, um, damn, I totally lost my train of thought. The, the, oh, Esther Perel, that she had said something to degree of we, 50 years ago, we had community and you had drinking buddies. You had, you know, uh, uh, women had a bunch of other people who could say, Hey, this is what pregnancy like, like now we're all isolated and we expect that other person sitting across from the kitchen table to be all of those things and the best sex we ever had. And all right. like, and I was like, wow. And I was like, that's what people see about their jobs. Now this should make me happy. Give me six yes. figures, pay me a 401k. And, you know, going back to like, what's supposed to work. Like that's a, the, your expectations you have of someone else to me fills up your time instead of you working on yourself if you That's start right. projecting or, or wanting yeah. you're not doing the scary alone yes. in the dark thing yes and i think that's a i think what is something else i learned last year late you know september ish is from a from, i learned this from a friend through her her action which is the importance of boundaries so I've never really had boundaries i've had you know i've, I've been you know i've been polite and i've been civil and you know i haven't been but, but my boundaries were in or out, right or die. That was yeah. my boundary. <laughs> and I realized something too, that relationships, healthy relationships have boundaries. Um, just like the healthy relationship between a country, like the United States and Canada as an example. We, there's still a border. Yeah. There's still a border there. We're not like merging. And there's such a tendency, I think, in American culture still, which is related to almost like the epigenealogy of pioneer mindset or survivor mindset, which is that a relationship is a merger and that you give up your identity in order for the, for the we to exist in the world. And there's a third way is you work on your me and the other person works on their me. And that makes a stronger we Yeah. um, in the, in the process. So, um, so having boundaries related to a variety of things is, it, it, what boundaries do is they give you the room to express what you feel and ask for what you need. Without boundaries, it's really hard to say, express what you feel, because often what we feel subconsciously is a unspoken boundary has been violated. Yeah. Which is why, you know, therapy, uh, couples counseling 101, which is the, when, when you do X, it makes me feel Y. Yeah. You know? 
Like that's where you're bringing awareness to that a boundary has yeah. been violated. And then another area of this related to boundaries is, is then asking for what you need. And this has been a, uh, a struggle for me over the years because of that. I think that DI conflict largely. Um, and you can, you're way better explaining what DI conflict is <laughs> yeah. after, after this. But, you, you like to go fast that, and have fun. I'll keep it there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or I like how Emily says, I want to win and I want to be loved. Um, I'm half a uh, German shepherd, half border collie. <laughs> yeah. And, and so in that though, is this deep fear that asking for what I want in a relationship is going to end the relationship and I'll be rejected. Yeah. I don't have that fear anymore. Um, mostly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <So> yeah. <laughs> there are certain things where I need to ask for something that I want. And I realize that if I do the work to establish the boundaries, it's so much easier to ask for what you want yeah. if you've already established the boundaries. Yeah. And I don't want to go, well, I, I do want to go too far, but for the pop podcast and flow, I won't. Um, but I hear more motivators. Your disc is how you go about it. But okay. I, I recall your classic utilitarian, or, um, entrepreneur uh business yeah. development the, yeah what are they i don't know what they're called now yeah. but it, in the old in the, when it was driving forces yeah it was but, uh, individualistic indiv- uh yeah that well i prefer the older ones but the uh individualistic which is i want to win or be in mm-hmm. control of myself if not lead others uh don't put baby in a corner and utilitarian <laughs> where's the roi where's the the uh, efficiency of this and yeah. i'm the same I way think my, i think my second one was traditional yeah oh that one i would guess a lot and i would actually well we should do an episode on this. I'll talk the whole time. But what it is, is I'm not going to add, it's not a good use of my time and it's going to make me look bad because I, I might get rejected right. versus now. And this is not science. It's just what I, if, if you, if someone has convinced you of this, but you still like business, you still like, you know, doing yeah. uh, scaling. It's because you see it actually puts you in a better position right. and it is a good use of your time to journal or to reflect mm-hmm. um where a lot of us who what's the saying uh, um, every business leader should meditate an hour a day and if you're too busy you should med- yeah, meditate play for off two. of buddha every day everybody should everyone should spend 30 minutes a day in nature unless you're busy and then you should spend an hour yeah <laughs> and and that w- w- the reason we resist is because we think it's not worth the time, but then yeah. the reason we figure it out, or at least we, we we cross, is because like, oh no, this is the best use of my time to slow down um, yeah. and stretch. But uh, you said this earlier, but I would kind of wedge it in because I thought it was, I think it's great. It re- related with me, but I think a lot of other people, especially with the relationships. But there, this uh, Freakonomics podcast this week was talking about um, mental health and how it's you know it's growing and all this stuff. But they're like, it's it's a muscle. And we forget that working out with our muscles wasn't a thing, you know, like people worked hard, but like mm-hmm. the only, the, the circus man was the person who would right. st- weirdly lift weights, you know, repetitively every day. And then it took another couple decades before it became normal. And then now it's really skyrocketed right. and people are doing amazing things and they get hurt and whatever, but they're like, that's what we need to do with our brains and this mental health is strengthened. Mm-hmm. But I think the alt, the uh, running on the treadmill, the cardio, or, or maybe mm-hmm. whatever the most effective way is going to be our relationships. How right. in your brain, who are you going to? What's your intention? What's your expectation? Right. And I think so many of us we couldn't even physically get the bar off of our chest right now because right. it's it's scary. Yeah, 
And, and I think that it goes to fear. Um, and so it's a, it's a self-examination for those that are listening to this episode. It's a self-examination of what fear or fears am I expecting this relationship, whatever it is to resolve. Mm-hmm. Um, now there's no judgment in saying that's, you know, I fear being alone. So I'm in a relationship, but you have to then go deeper than that to the root of what that is. And so I think, I think trying to, um, be in relationship to alleviate a fear is a recipe for suffering. It's a rest definitely a recipe for codependency. Um, and because the, if you do the work to find the unrejectable, unbreakable part of yourself, you will show up very different in a relationship. Yeah. Um, just, by, just by, just by, you know, the, sh- the sheer like essence of almost like spiritual sovereignty, you just show up more whole and complete. And I think too, that um, when you are, when you are relationship centric, you, 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 I hear this all the time from people that I mentor or people that are, I'm just friends with. When, when you're relationship-centric, anything that you do for yourself is considered, air quotes, selfish. And there's, there, you can't, selfishness is a behavior, sure. That's mm-hmm. a thing, absolutely. But to lump selfishness in with self-care is to give up an, a, a part of yourself, to martyr yourself in yeah. order to preserve the relationship. Yeah. And... Um, and I think too, that it, it goes to the fact that relationships have always been part of the human experience. Um, they just had different motivations, you know, it was about survival for many, you know, for tens of thousands of years and many cultures still is about survival. Um, but as you move up Maslow's hierarchy, um, it requires you in your own being to move from a, from a spirit of lack to a spirit of abundance, a spirit of survival to a spirit of, um, of, of thriving or, yeah. or whatever. And your relationships may not evolve with you. Yeah. Oh, I, I would count they may on not evolve. You know, yeah. friends that you don't have anymore, you know, even, you know, part romantic partnerships, marriages, whatever the end, because, they served a role for where you were at in your journey Yeah, but to preserve them as they were to worship the relationship at the expense of your continued growth and evolution is also an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I always, um, younger people when they ask for career advice and we kind of figure out what they want, um, or at least a better direction. I was like, you just need to make new friends, man. And it's not necessarily dump the old ones, but it's, you know, make more time for the new ones. But all we're doing is, well, what do you really want? We're stop, you know, they're not doing the alone exercise, but uh, uh, they're getting close to it. Um, but the, uh, rela- I don't know when I even started thinking about this, but I remember the first, I think, I don't know if I told you this the other day, the first time I felt cool. Um, you know, people would laugh at my jokes in high school or whatever, but like I did an in- internship for Disney, um, Disney World in uh, 2001, right, right before 9-11 as I get down there. And um, I was actually, I went in my room. Um, it was kind of like my college time technically. And I was the first person in a three bedroom apartment that was going to have six people total. And I was the only one in there. And there were no phones and there was no TV. <laughs> and so I literally just stared at the wall for about an hour. And then I was like, well, I can't do this. So I got up 
and I got on a bus to like orientation and I just said, hi, I'm one. I'm from Phoenix. No one was from Phoenix. And all of a sudden the short version or shorter, uh, I was interesting and I was cool. And just making new friends was like the easiest thing. And it was great at that time, but then jump ahead, you know, 10, 20 or 10, 15 years. It's good for networking good for this. But I was like, it's not, um, it's not dense. It's not like, I, I'm not saying these people aren't good. It was like, I just, I would go make a new friend versus start a podcast with the friend I have now, you know, or, or have a more deeper uh, conversation and I was like, this insecurity keeps, has always been there. And I love what you said about the affirmation. Cause I was like, is it bad that I want to make people laugh? Like, not. I'm going to stop. Cause I told, I tell other people, I go, I care what people think about me. I don't need them all to like me, but I want to know, <laughs> like, you know, I want to have some control over that. And, um, I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing, but I think that's, but for me, if I can have this kind of conversation or a version of it with another person and learn something, or I even want to listen, I think I have a good relationship with that other person. But I also yeah. know most people or a majority of them aren't ready for it or don't want it. And, right. and that's okay. But that doesn't change the fact that I will continue to. And that tells me I'm like, I think I have a healthy relationship with my myself. Right. Yeah, exactly. I want to circle back on something too, because you, um, playing off of something you said earlier, which is this idea that being able to have the space to feel your feelings is a kind of privilege unto itself. And you think most of our institutions that are around relationships, so obviously marriage being the primary one in our, in, in our society um, or the group that we belong to or the church we belong to, whatever, is, is that there for many, many years, for tens of thousands of years, in a lot of those situations, you, there was not the luxury of sitting around and feeling your feelings because you would, you're, you might die. Yes. And I still think we have some of those habits where, um, which is I can't, oh, I, I can't, I can't feel that way. I, I, you know, I, I can't be, um, I can't be un, I can't be uh, frustrated and disappointed and unfulfilled by X part of my relation of my primary relationship. I can't feel that way because it's a threat to the relationship and um, but we're not in survival mode anymore. What we're in, and, and, and there's a direct line of, of, of related to consciousness so that if you get to a point where you do have time to sit and journal in the morning or uh, you know, go to therapy or, you know, read a, read a self-improvement book or whatever, if you do have time to do that, cause you're not about to die. Yeah. Um, it's important then to then look at how you, practice relationships from a place of more abundance or more privilege. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you still, if, if you're trying to evolve spiritually and emotionally, you're trying to mature emotionally and evolve spiritually and you still keep your old definitions of what a relationship is, those relationships are going to be a source of struggle. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'm going to throw this out as a theory and see what your thoughts are is, because it goes to, well, I'll just say what it is, is I, I've, I've come to understand or come to believe or observe that every relationship, um, A, produces its own entity. It produces a we. Yeah. And that we has a natural trajectory. So I think about us as friends. You know, we met 2012, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Then, yeah. 
Yeah. And we, we were, we, we connected well, but we didn't become like great buddies until maybe what, five years ago, maybe six yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's about right. Um, and so in that, in that, in that the, we began to develop. And as you worked on you and you matured and I worked on me and I matured and everything, it, our friendship has grown, but I bet you, you have these and I have these and our listeners have these where you have relationships that as you have done the work on you, that they are, that the, those relationships, the we gets diminished and basically fades away. Mm-hmm. And this is the rub. The rub is, <laughs> I don't know if you can hear the helicopter flying over the house. Makes it real. <laughs> yeah. It makes it real, real time podcasting. <laughs> um, the rub on this, which is so interesting to me is, when the relationship starts to shift um, in, 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 in this process, if a relationship starts to shift because of a you know, evolution of consciousness, the ego mind goes, holy shit, something's wrong. And then they try yeah. to hold on to it even more fervently. And I think it seems to me that if there's no we that can be formed, there's no we that can be formed. And it's okay to be sort of friendly as opposed yeah. to friend. Yes. Type of intimacy. Yes. That's okay. And B, you can be close to someone, but as you evolve and maybe they don't, maybe that is that there is a trajectory or a natural life of that relationship. Yeah. Where it sort of just fades away. What are your thoughts on those? Things? I, I think that but my, my dad once told me, he's like, you outgrow your friends. And it's similar to what you're saying. But I was like, what I discovered is, oh, but you re- you meet them again in different forms. Like, you know, my friend, Matt, you know, we, we were, um, really tight. We even lived together for almost a year, maybe two. Um, and then not so much for about a year. And then he joined the Navy and we, we talked, but then now he lives down the street and hell, he's going to get his groceries cause we're quarantining today. <laughs> um, but I think I, I love that. I, I almost envision um, like quantum physics or like a math problem that you're describing. Um, or not even uh, algorithm, not even a problem. Um, but the, uh, the, what did you say? The working, it's almost like a, a what's going to be a better relationship Two whole people who come together and make something or two insecure people with hero victim mentality. Like, you know, we're not talking like a, a race <laughs> or a fight, but like who who's going to have um, more of a rich experience? Yeah, a rich yeah. yeah. who's going to have a richer we based off of that? Yeah, yes, exactly. And and even still, like things happen, and, and it's there was something you said that I don't know if it fits completely, but that you suggested that if you have free time, I would think, and I might be very wrong here. I think if you're not doing what you what Justin suggested, uh, you have a problem. That if you if you have free time and you are not reflecting on yourself, like you have become you you actually one, that's part of my problem. Is I I get in my head, but it's driving the car, not me. Yeah, um, but I think this goes back to, you know, we have a caste system in our country, unfortunately. And people that like, for example, how you can see how disparately different, different groups have been affected by COVID. Um, You know, people of color affected far more than, than white people. Um, Yeah. Service workers, service industry workers greatly affected by COVID in multiple ways, not just getting the, the, not just getting the virus, but its impact, economic impact on them as well. 
And so, uh, you know, when I say that it's a privilege, what I mean by that is it's almost like don't waste it because there are people, there are millions of people in this country where maybe they're working three jobs and going to school or working two jobs and going to school and trying to make a better life or yeah. They are, they are fully committed to being a division one athlete so that they can get drafted and get their family out of poverty. Um, and so if you have, so that's what, so, so my, my call to people is if you're not having to sur- truly survive and you're not trying to pull yourself out of poverty, like real poverty or a real yeah. violent situation, or you maybe, maybe you, I think of people that where their full-time job is to take care of someone else, like someone that's maybe doesn't have a lot of money. So their, their, their sick mom or mother-in-law moves in and that's somebody's job to take care of her all day. Yeah. Um, and so if you have time and I, by time, I mean five minutes. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah. Five minutes of either you can pick five minutes of journaling, five minutes of silence, five minutes of guided meditation. It, it that little bit of the use of the privilege of time will start to reframe your relationships. And I'm warning people when you start to go inward it's going to change how you see your external relationships. Yeah. I, I I agree, and so if I said something that didn't like, if you if you're strapped for cash and you're you know you're near yeah. near uh, eviction, yeah, I don't blame you. But up, I'll even be more specific. If you can binge watch any TV show, yes, you right. have free time. Yes. Um, if you got a, if you're paying for a Netflix account, yeah. not borrowing it from somebody. Yeah. <laughs> if you're paying for a Netflix account, you have time to do inner work. Yeah, and I'm not saying you have to. But and I, I and you am, but. well, well as I was gonna say you suggested. I'm saying if you don't do it and you and yeah. you've just and I mean really I'm just talking to myself is like one when you have been uh, um uh, reluctantly binge watched The Mandalorian because your wife liked the special effects like you probably could have you know done 20 minutes of of self reflecting and and journaling and mm-hmm. and um because I think that free time ends up working against you when you when you aren't surviving you know it's one thing if the lion's chasing after you or you got to right. put that extra shift in but i think that's what we end up doing though is oh bro let's just go to the the bank or the, the bank yeah. <laughs> let's go to, to, to happy well, hour too, yes. Um, yes. and <laughs> and let's just go bitch and that's i that was the ultimate sign if i have to be not even drunk but if i have to have a drink to be around people like no offense to them but what the hell's my problem yeah and i realize i like I really like, I mean, not to say we can't have beers. I think we've had whiskey before. Sure. I was like, I really like being fully present when I'm talking to my friend Justin or yeah. Courtney or my whoever it is. Yeah, right. I'm not against alcohol. It's just that relationship. I was like, oh, it's it's just another form of action. But ultimately, if this other person's there, it's okay to drink six beers and then right. laugh about it and whatever. Okay, how many times have you done that this year, Juan? You know, and it took right. took a while. Yeah, I think I think related to that too is um, I'm not, and I, you know, I watch shows and things, so I'm not, I'm not, and I and I really am consciously not trying to be some sort of like consciousness puritan too. Sure, like, you know, uh, you know, my background in fundamentalism, you know, I don't want to be like Paul in the Bible, where Paul was became a Christian, but he still had a lot of Pharisee in him. Yeah, um, still a lot of like legalistic thinking. So I don't, I don't want to be like that. Um, how, how, I, I think in terms of a relationship though, is that the activities, the activities that you're in, let's, and let's just talk about from an, like a romantic relationship, the activities that you're involved in are an indicator of the health of the relationship. Yeah. And, you know, I know 
I have family members that their relationship was bound together by survival, survival and hatred and alcohol. Yeah. Um, and they call that a relationship. It's not really a relationship. It's more like some sort of servitude, yeah. but, but, but that's, so that's an, or, or someone, I have another, another friend, they do, all they do is they, well, before COVID, all they did was travel. They're constantly traveling as a couple and then COVID hits and they're like, I don't really like you all that much, <laughs> oh, man. you know, like I've in that process. About that. Yeah. Right? This is why I say there's in a relationship this, and I say this, uh, I say this in jest, but I still still think it's accurate. There's three litmus tests to a relationship uh, of any sort. Number one is a car ride because a car ride of any distance, let's say it's a car ride for um, more than an hour, how that person behaves the driver and the passenger behave in the car related to temperature, music, conversation, pace, uh, you know, manners and all that is a great stress tester of a relationship. Yeah. The second one is grocery shopping. Um, how, how someone, if, if you go as a couple, as, a, as friends or as a couple to the store, you will find out whether or not you're going to get along pretty quickly <laughs> by grocery shopping together. Yeah. And the third is, how you handle talking about uncomfortable topics, whether that's finances or sex or religious beliefs or yeah. cultural differences. If you can approach, if you're approaching those, like if you can go on a, you can go on an hour long plus car ride with someone and you can go grocery shopping with them and you can have deep conversations about things that other people think are uncomfortable. You've got a friend. Yeah. You've got a relationship. Yeah. That's oh um, man. Let's end on that. We went a little long, but I think that that's good. Do you have a friend? That's a, that's a good litmus test. Yes. Awesome, man. Thanks. Buddy. You got it.